this running community we're always there for one another to cheer support crew wake up early train with you know all of this and it really translates well over to like okay pandemic happened like you know we're not running but we still have to be there for one another and and for us it was another reason why we did this was to help our photographer friends kind of work you know we weren't able to pay them like the big budgets that they might be used to or or we would want to but you know a part of uh the money went to charities but also to pay these photographers and these other creators for their time welcome to chill track friday this is Anne signing in from martha's vineyard hello hello this is ali from new york city we're back with another episode but first uh this week marks our uh since exactly two years since we released our first official episode with roberto manje pro turn recreational oh my gosh can we tell a quick story about that that was our very first like low-tech podcast recording and i showed up to your apartment to record and 10 minutes before or maybe like 15 minutes before roberto got there i realized i left my laptop that had the software we were going <laughs> to use to like record that we had practiced on i was like oh I, yeah you know way to go um so we had to improvise and just go on your laptop right on the moment and you know there was a moment don't you remember that we stood there and for like three minutes we were like what is the better solution like should i go home and get my laptop will i be back in time or should we just like wait and download the software what's going to take longer <laughs> i know i know we had to kind of do the timing thing i was like no 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 way i'm going back and bringing it back bringing a laptop that anyway it, it worked out it worked out just fine yeah, I remember sweating pretty badly. And then Roberto shows up and he's like, so cool. You know, he's like, hey, guys, what's up? And we were just like, not much, you know, <laughs> just waiting for you. <laughs> exactly. That was really funny. What a great first episode. And to have Roberto on there. His I know. And it's been it's been two years, 45 plus episodes. Um, thank you yeah, so much to all of our listeners. This is 47. Yeah. Thank you so much to all of our listeners and to all of the patrons um you can go to you know for uh those who want to support us uh you can go to patreon.com slash chill track friday it's two dollars a month way cheaper than like an expensive latte i'm not going to compare it to that <laughs> yeah i was gonna crack a joke um i'll take patron donations to like not laugh so much or talk so much it's funny what you learn by hearing yourself on a podcast and <laughs> editing oh my god jesus <clears throat> so we've come a long way so much has happened since then um we were in that low-tech studio we produced a lot of episodes like for the first six months it was all of that then we sort of switched over into a, a professional studio in new york city at gotham podcast and then the pandemic hit and kind of slowed everything down and then we are still running a relatively i think a high-tech operation remotely as high-tech as it can get um and keeping the show going well what's really cool about where we are in terms of our tech is seeing that we can expand our not even that we can expand our our radius in terms of guests but just that it's a more we're more comfortable with it i think it's when we were in the studio it seemed like at least from my perspective it was a little intimidating to think that we would be in a studio and that someone else would be remotely interviewing mm -hmm. with us um, but now it's just the norm and it's um you know, there's different lessons involved. It is really interesting. I 100% I agree with that because what's interesting is Chill Track Friday was born out of sitting on the track after your easy run on a Friday and just, you know, talking about life and mm -hmm. journeys and, you know, learning from each other's journeys. So that that's how the podcast came about. So it just it was a perfect fit to, like, keep doing it in person. It just felt natural. Mm hmm. So all of our guests where we try to get them into the studio so we can just have that vibe of like sitting together over coffee and talking. Yeah. But during the pandemic, it's just that shut us down. We just couldn't do that. So we had to sort of improvise. Now it's like you're forced into that situation. We were like, no, actually, we have to take Chill Track Friday remotely and become comfortable with that. So that's Yeah. And what's cool is that other people like everyone's becoming comfortable <clears throat> with this sort of remote existence. So there's less awkwardness, I think, all around. 
Um, but just to touch on what you said, I mean, welcome to new listeners. If this is your first time listening, welcome. Um, we hope that you will go back and kind of peruse other episodes. This is really like a podcast geared towards, you know, regular runners who really have a passion for for taking their running as a discipline and a kind of a means to self-exploration and seeking excellence and kind of pushing the boundaries of what we think is possible. And um, you had just mentioned the idea of learning lessons. And I think that this is a great episode in terms of a collective touchdown and seeing where we are and what's up. So can you, can, can you introduce our wonderful guests today? Yes, we are joined today by Jason Suarez and Dewey Guyen. Um, we actually ran across on social media something called Long Distance. Um, their website is called longdistance.world. So Dewey and Jason actually set out creating a project during the pandemic. The project ended up being a printed magazine uh, whose mission was to bring a collection of stories and photographs told and taken during the pandemic. So as we all know, like in 2020, the outside world came inside. And as a result of that, based in, in, in Jason and Dewey's own words, long distance was born. So this was seeing the world around us, how it's changing, so much going on, running being so central to in, 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 in the running community. All of a sudden, we can't run together. We can't do all of these things together. And globally, everything's being affected. So... Uh, this was their way of sort of bringing all of those stories together into a printed magazine, which which I find really kind of amazing. Like how many people actually go out on a venture doing a print magazine these days? We got really interested in wanting to talk to them and tell their story, their individual story, and how the magazine actually came about. So in the interview, you'll you'll see they sort of talk about their entire project. Yeah, it's funny because once again, you and I both had separate lists of who we wanted to interview, and both of both of us had these guys on it. So um, can you tell us just a little bit about each of them individually? Because they kind of came together, but have obviously individual identities. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> like we all do. Jason, Jason Suarez is actually, a lot of you probably follow him already. If not, you have seen his photography, his sports photography at work on social media or in some shape or form. And so his Instagram handle is not afraid to fail. He's an excellent photographer. A lot of us follow him. Passion for running, uh, a lot of running photos. He is actually, um, you'll hear the story, he's spent time in Elliot Kipchoge's camp in Kenya to sort of photograph their journey. Dewey, Dewey is the founder of uh, Koreatown Running Club in LA and the sort of a creative person who's also an entrepreneur. The magazine actually has a couple of other people that I should also mention. Uh, the design for the magazine was uh, done by Dewey, Benjamin Parker, and Colin Snow, and copy editing was done by Alexander Hancock. Thanks, Dewey. Uh, so this is a really great episode. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to the show, Jason and Dewey. It's uh, great to have you, and thank you for taking the time to talk with me and Ali and our listeners. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Just kind of want to dive right in. Um, when I found your long distance um, digital format on Instagram, I just thought, wow, what a beautiful and creative and in the moment um, project to be working on. And the thing that struck me immediately was how you got something together so quickly and so thoroughly and so beautifully in such a short amount of time. And I would just love to hear how you guys came together and how you came upon this project i know it's a general question you can kind of take it any way that you want oh well thank you for thank you for all that um it's funny you say uh how we did it so quickly for us it seemed like it took forever um which is i guess a result of the a whole nother story but uh, i knew jason you know from the running community he's a big sports photographer you know i've, I've seen his work on instagram and you know campaigns and everything without even actually knowing who he was but uh we met i think first in chicago during the chicago marathon like maybe three years ago mm -hmm. um and that was when i was first introduced to him face to face but it wasn't really until um he had an art show in new york um where he asked me to kind of kind of co-host it yeah um, well we like got to know each other in haiti really well oh well how did i forget about haiti? <laughs> That's what it was. 
<laughs> we got to meet. So we spent a week in Haiti together. Uh, we were running across Haiti and he was one of the runners. And I only did it because uh, Dewey was just like, oh, it's going to be really cool. You'll get to hang out with me and a couple of friends. And then I was like, all right, Dewey, like if you're going out, I'm going. And that's how we like really got to connect. And then, yeah. yeah. So then the New York City thing happened because I was just like, oh, yeah, like he's a riot. He's hilarious. So why not? So, you know, that's yeah. how I asked him to co-host. So basically Instagram, right? <laughs> it's crazy where we'll be talking on Instagram. We don't even know each other. I asked him to go to Haiti. He comes and, you know, we become good friends. But for the magazine, you know, March came, pandemic came, everything, you know, turned upside down. Everyone was locked in. We didn't really know what, like, what the future would hold. And I'd started seeing a lot of uh, kind of shifts in, like, media and how people were doing things, you know, obviously working from home, but also there was a lot of, uh, I would see a lot of stories and talk to a lot of people where like their running lives are totally different, right? Um, either they're not running, they're running around their block, um, international friends who are running in their garages, like their parking structures or their rooftops. And also at the, at the same time to stay in touch, it was a lot of podcasts, a lot of Instagram live talking to runners about um, the pandemic and how they're holding up, which I thought was a great idea. But I also wanted to do something that was almost like a time capsule where when this was all over, you know, we can look back and have something uh, in print that kind of look back and uh, not necessarily relive it, but, you know, like, remember, like, that was a crazy time. And so I hit up Jason uh, to see if he wanted to work on this project together. And he said yes. And, you know, it's really just contacting our friends, right? We have in the running, the running community is so large, but it's also so small. And being photographers ourselves, we have photographers who are runners in, you know, Amsterdam, Africa, Shanghai, all these places. And we really just wanted to link everyone up and make, uh, make something that would last longer than like an Instagram live or, or uh, something like that. Yeah, it's really beautiful. It's a beautiful project. And you touched upon it a little bit in terms of being a time capsule because magazine is kind of becoming an old-fashioned format. But I think that it works so beautifully because of the aesthetic that you guys have, which is very artistic and very um, evocative. As someone who appreciates both writing and photography, what I've seen is that the stories of the photos really complement the stories from the same cities, but also they could almost speak for themselves because it really captures the, it's like that desolation and the fear. There was a lot of fear. And I think that it's not necessarily a gruesome fear. It's that isolation fear and the sense of like everyone's duty to have their social contract to do what they mostly, except for uh, the United States is like a different story. I, I felt like I was taking a trip around the world in a way that wasn't as terrifying as the newspaper had been during that time. This felt like a more beautiful, uh, woven together sense of community. I think if that was your goal in terms of a project to bring a community together by sharing their experiences, you did it, I think, really beautifully. You mentioned that you had a lot of friends around the world. How how did you approach them? We had a, I think we had a loose idea for sure. We knew we wanted to have our friends involved. We knew we wanted it to be a magazine. Um, we just didn't know how involved we wanted to be uh, in it. Like, you know, we've never done a magazine before. Uh, <laughs> it takes work, it takes money, it takes time. And so, at first, we were just like, you know, it's a little zine, send us some photos, write something, you know, we'll put some, throw something together and, and print it and see what happens. Um, so it, as we were gathering the, the photographs and the stories, I think, you know, we looked at each other and we were like, you know, there's something bigger here than just, you know, hey, you know, here's yeah. a couple stories, you know? Right. And so it kind of grew as we went. Um, and it was it was more and more work, but we were we were invested in it because we knew we were it was going to be something meaningful and worthwhile for us at least, and hopefully for everyone else a part of it and, and reading it. Um, so it definitely grew and in, grew into what it is, right. and it wasn't kind of decided. I think, I think also it was just like it grew organically, right? Because like the one thing that I said to at least to the people, the friends that I reached out to was like, hey, I just want to make sure you're comfortable. Like I know this is something like this is a weird time. And 
And a lot of people were like, hey, thank you for distracting me. You know what I mean? Thank you for like letting me, giving me like some, like some normalcy, right? But I I approached it like very like, hey man, like if you want to be part of this, it's not like, it would mean a lot to me uh, because I would just like, it's almost like I would reach out to the, like a concerned friend and just like, hey, how you doing? How are you? I'm working on this. Do you want to be a part of it? And we had some friends who were just like, at least some of my friends were like, hey, like mentally, I'm not ready to do this right now. Uh, I have a lot going on. Uh, And, you know, and it was like, respectfully, you know, like it was a hard ask. And even like my friends that I reached out to, to, so I can photograph them. It was also like a really hard ask of like, are you comfortable? Do you want to do this? Like, you yeah. know, so it was, I think what happened, it was just us being organic. Yeah. And we got to remember that this was back in April when, you know, at least in America, it was at the peak. Um, yeah. And we weren't even sure if this was a good idea to do. So we had very strict guidelines of how to even photograph people. And we knew everything was changing and everything was, it was different in different countries. Like in Italy, like, and you can kind of see from the photographs, um, they, they weren't even allowed like one block outside of their uh, building. So the, there were a lot of uh, iPhone photos. There were a lot of um, just photos of like dark photos in parking garages in Sao Paulo. And that was uh, because they weren't allowed to, to go out. And we wanted to show that um, with the imagery and and uh, just remember that like, yeah, this was when it was at its worst. Like now, hey, do you want to go outside and take some photos? Oh, we know it's, it's, it's we can still run. It's safer to do that. We just have a mask on. But back then it was like, yeah. I'm not even sure if I might get arrested for doing this. Right. Like at that point, like there was no outdoor dining. There was like none of that, like how it is in New York, at least for me. Like this was like, hey, we're going at six in the morning. I want to make sure that you're safe. I want to make sure that I'm safe where there's no one around. And that's the kind of the thing that I told my friends from like out in London or Amsterdam or wherever we were just like, I just want to make sure that whoever you photograph, they're comfortable and you're comfortable and you're, and you're safe. Right. Don't go out there and just like, it's like a treat it like any other thing. Just make sure that you guys are okay. And I think that concern that me and Dewey put in, while we were reaching out to people made everybody feel like, oh, okay. Like they, they're, they're like, they're really serious about the safety of this first and then everything else later, you know? And it's, it's funny. I don't know if anyone notices it, but the, the format of the book is generally chronological. We actually hit up jam in Shanghai to do it. And around that time, you know, they were getting better. They were like able to go outside in China and, pretty much live a normal life. Um, but then we, you know, we decided to put that little, a little later on in the magazine. So it wasn't just like off the jump, look, the pandemic 2020. Oh, everything's cool in China though, but the rest of the world, you know, so just a little behind the scenes, I guess. I was amazed at how many cities you guys got to. And some of the cities that quite honestly, like, I've been running not for that long, but still like, like I'll just say some of the cities. Like you have Jeddah, Jakarta, um, Kiev, Cape Town. So it was just amazing to see. First of all, how many cities stories you were able to tell. Second of all, in terms of like trying to capture a time capsule, it was amazing also to kind of see where everyone was at kind of what you were saying like when you go to Stockholm all of a sudden the story is very different because we all know Sweden took a very different approach so I love how that's there are similar themes but at the same time you kind of get a taste of how each city is dealing with it or dealing with it differently are there any personal favorites that stood out to you when the story got to you in terms of both written and and looking at the images you were like oh wow um Anything stood out to you while you were putting that together or you guys picked any favorites? That might be a hard question for your own magazine and <laughs> reached out to a lot of people. But For me, it was, um, I knew personally knew a lot of the, the writers or at least I, there was a point of contact that I personally knew that reached out and said, hey, I know a runner in, uh, in Seoul that I connect, 
I can connect you with. Um, and I loved all of those, but I think it was the ones where I, I didn't know anything about, um, like the runners in Jeddah. Uh, I knew of them. I followed them on Instagram, but I didn't know what it was like there. You know, um, I didn't know what it was like running wise in Stockholm. And I think the Stockholm one was interesting because, you know, we, we know that they took a different approach, but I think what was really interesting, we added it later on. If you look at the dates for the two stories in Stockholm, one was earlier and one was later. My roommate at the time had just moved to Stockholm, uh, my friend Fletcher, and he's a runner as well. And so you, you kind of see both viewpoints, um, not only during uh, like the beginning and the end of the pandemic, but one from uh, a Swedish person and one from an American and how those viewpoints, you know, kind of are different. Um, but yeah, I really like Jeddah. I loved Seoul. I loved uh, Shanghai. Um, yeah. Do you have any favorite I mean, ones? Yeah. I mean, for me, I think because I had like, I was in contact with a lot of them, like a lot of the photographers, one of them that stood out to me, uh, uh, the Auckland in New Zealand. Like I knew she was like constantly like telling me like, Hey, sorry for the delay, but they just brought us back down to like this other color and I can't leave three kilometers away and the athlete lives at eight kilometers away. So I, I know that this weekend we're going to go, we're going to go back up to like a, an okay level and I can like meet up with her. So like those are the, and like the imagery that she was able to get with all those restrictions and like kind of texting me like, I hope I don't get in trouble, you know, like. Those are the things that I look at it and I was just like, through all of that, you were still able to like put this whole piece together. And, and you know, th that's what makes it, to me, that's one of my favorite ones. Um, the images from like Tokyo. I haven't, I've never been able to go to Tokyo in my life and being able to see those photos. And I was just like, this is so cool. Or, or just like seeing, what's it called? Uh, the that street where it's just Shibuya crossing. Yeah. Like I've always seen it in movies and then just seeing it with nobody there. I was just like, yeah, this is an amazing opportunity. And it's just like an amazing photo just because like how it's portrayed in movies or anything else. And you have it in a book completely different, you know, um, that's to me, those are the ones that like really stood out, you know, the Shanghai essay stood out to me because of um, the idea that, and it's quote at this moment running has become a sport that needs a lot of courage and that actually brought like a lot of tears to my eyes when I was reading it because it's I was thinking back to the the height of the pandemic in New York City and you guys touched touched upon this idea of like not actually knowing about the safety a of the coronavirus but also the rules and following the rules and that it, I didn't think of it at the time that it was a courageous act but it running is and I think even you can extrapolate that to that it takes a lot of courage even not in a pandemic <laughs> there is I think um just the sport itself lends itself to encouraging and fostering courage and I was as I was reading through the the magazine I was obviously there's some themes that come to the that rise to the top of like community and helping community and social responsibility. And I think one thing that's really wonderful is that that happens in the running community anyway, but this is an experience and you guys captured it so well. And I love the idea of the capsule again, because it's like, we're used to this stuff. Not that we're used to pandemics, but we're used to being calm in crises and we're used to like having a sense of duty and showing up. And um, those words were used throughout a lot of the different essays. And I just... Um, I don't know. Did you guys do a lot? Was there much editing involved at all? Did you have, did you have editors? So my friend Alex Hancock, uh, edited it, proof, proofread it. Um, we had a lot of translators, um, to help with the translations from a couple of the different languages, but yeah, I think it was a, definitely a team effort. You know, I thought it was just going to be Jason and I, and then a couple of photographer friends from different cities, but it really, you know, everyone was willing to help. And I think you, you hit the nail on the head with that was as runners, you know, in this running community, we're always there for one another to cheer, support, crew, wake up early, train with, you know, all of this. And it really translates well over to like, okay, pandemic happened. Like, you know, we're not running, but we still have to be there for one another. And, and for us, it was another reason why 
we did this was to help our photographer friends kind of work you know we weren't <laughs> able to pay them like the big budgets that they might be used to or or we would want to but you know a part of uh the money went to charities but also to pay these photographers and these other creatives for their time and i think the people buying it you know i think appreciated that hopefully they did and i know everyone was appreciative when when we were able to pay 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 them so yeah and i thought like the cool thing about it like majority of the like the guys who who we were gonna pay everybody was like no donate it yeah. to like this organization that's gonna feed people right now so i thought that was like kind of like even like more like it was just beautiful you know what i mean like hey like this is not gonna make or break me you know but just like i know that my city needs it so just donate it on my behalf and i thought that was like awesome you know so the yeah. responsibility within the community itself is just it just like it just amazes you even more you know yeah my uh speaking of favorites my one of my personal favorites that really moved me and i have many but uh when i was reading paul ward's essay for cape town south africa the nine four club and um and if it's okay with you i want to read the first paragraph because i as a teaser for our listeners i want everyone to be able to buy this magazine because it's so awesome it's by paul ward from may 12 2020 it says Our country has a very negative past when it comes to restricting people's movement. Pre-1994, before we became a republic, we had laws in place that restricted the movement of people of color. It's one of the reasons for the name, a celebration of our freedom. Of course, these circumstances are very different, but there are similarities that have made a lot of us really be grateful once again for our freedom of movement and for our community of crews, which running has built for us and i thought that was just so awesome like if this story is not shared not people around the world would not think how pandemic can kind of or how like it, it goes on to talk about like they're not going out because they're police roadblocks right and then thinking about apartheid in south africa you kind of see how that can be triggering for so many people that are living there and i thought that was just fascinating and the fact that they called their club that it's like really powerful and moving to uh to understand that yeah that was one thing we didn't really expect either um you know we were thinking we were getting a lot of stories about running and COVID, but you know there's so many there's so much more to the to these run clubs to these riders and just just running and i think you know with 2020 and especially the kind of the last maybe quarter of the book the the mood or the topic kind of shifts um to kind of talk about you know it's not just COVID that we're dealing with there's there's much more and and as runners and um, as this community, you know, we have to be there uh, for each other, regardless, no matter what. One that stuck out to me was the beautiful poem by Paulina from Toronto. She was, equi- I, I think it's a poem, I read it like a poem, Running Boston Alone. And it wasn't particularly about the Boston Marathon, but it was about equating what we're going through as like a marathon. And I've certainly talked to friends about how this feels like that. And it's like, okay, well, we're probably only at mile 18 so one thing I want to ask you is um, in terms of production and having like this baby that you've produced, what's the reception been and how does it feel having it out there? Because that's, it's kind of scary. It's not in your hands anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the reception has been, has been pretty great, especially when I think when we did this, the audience for us was kind of just our friends and maybe their friends, but we've seen a lot of people, um, especially like you guys, you know, you found it just in the either, right? You just found yeah. it in the running world. Um, so I think that's what makes me really happy and, and surprises me somewhat that, Hey, maybe it is a, maybe it is a good magazine. Hey, yeah, well. right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been great seeing everyone, hearing everyone's feedback and, um, and, and talking about it for me. I love talking about how it was made and, you know, I think that could be a magazine in itself, like what Jason talked about with New Zealand and the logistics of like actually just going out there and grabbing a couple photographs is really interesting to me. Um, but yeah, it's been super fun. We've learned a lot and, you know, hopefully, hopefully we get to make another one, hopefully with a different topic, but. What was the hardest part about it for you guys? Hmm. I mean, to me it was because I wasn't the distance, right? Like trying to coordinate with Dewey or like 
I felt like there was a lot of times where Dewey was taking more of the the load on it. And I'm a creative person myself and I was, I wish I was here like uh, with him throughout the, uh, throughout the whole process. Um, and then also just like kind of letting go, like you want something to be perfect, you know? Uh, and Dewey was just more on like, Hey, like, just trust it. It's going to be like, okay. Because he, he, for an example, uh, he would get like the, the sample and he was just like, no, it looks great. It looks good. And all that other stuff. And because I'm like on the other side of the country, uh, I just have to like, all right, cool. Like, you know, it is, it is what it is at this point. And I think it was that it was just like doing something for the first time. I don't consider myself a perfectionist but attaching my name or or anything like that to something i'm not going to say that is this big but it, like to some to a project like this it was hard for me not to have my hands on it yeah. as much or being there for, to experience the whole journey right? right trying to see something through photos or whatsapp or video is not the same of of holding it so it was mm -hmm. funny when I finally got the magazine, I didn't want to open it until I called Dewey and I was just like, Hey, let's be, are you free? Let's FaceTime real quick. And we opened it together. And, it, and I just wanted to sh share that experience with, with Dewey. I love that. You said you guys hadn't ever worked on anything together before. It's a huge leap of faith to do a creative project with someone that you've not worked with before. And it seems like, would you agree that you guys have a similar vision? Did you know that before you went into it or did it just kind of evolve? I feel like I trust, I, I saw, I trust Dewey's artistic, like a lot of the times that I said to Dewey, I was like, if you think it looks good, I trust you. And that's like, it was a lot of that because I just, I've always said to do not to like blow his ego or anything, but it's just like everything that he puts out. It's like, I look at it and I'm like, like, this is amazing. This is awesome. Right. So being able to work with him on something like this, I knew it was going to look good. I just wanted for me to be more hands-on. And like when we worked on a project in New York City together, I knew how like how much attention to detail he would put for certain things and all that other stuff. So when it came to this, I knew that he was going to have that same energy of like attention to detail, doing this, doing that. And like, you know, we could have sent it out to print the, with the first sample. And then Dewey was like, hey, you know what? I don't like this. Is gonna take us another three weeks, and it was just a font size, right? And it was just making the font size a little bigger. And I was like, "Hey, I from the pictures, yes, it does look a little smaller." And I agree. Let's just go ahead and, and and just wait it out another two three weeks, you know? Yeah, I think I don't know if we we've told anyone this, but the magazine was essentially done. I feel like July, end of July, and we just had little things, little tweaks that, you know, we weren't satisfied with and we needed another sample. We got the sample and we're like, forgot this. We got to do another <laughs> sample. Meanwhile, we're hearing other stories from other friends. Like, like I just moved to Sweden. It's like, Oh, can you write this thing and take some mm -hmm. photos? And like, so we added more stories as we went along and it was just, it came to a point where I remember there was one other story we wanted to add in. There's a, a great, I think all female run club in Mexico. Mexico. I think it was like, we can make, we can keep adding to this thing. 2020 is not over, <laughs> uh, but we really just needed it to cut, to go out. Yeah. And it, it shipped in November and yeah, we were finished probably, we could have been finished end of July. So yeah. That just <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's just lot. like, but then it, I don't know. It's again, like I've never done anything like this. And then you're just like talking to this person, uh, and they're like, yeah, you know, like if you want the magazines in X amount of days, it's going to be this much. And it's cheaper if you just ship it on a boat. How long does it take on a boat? 30 days. I'm like, what are we yeah. doing here? You know, so if these are just things that you have. I had no idea about being a photographer in sports and like live events. You're it's immediately like instant gratification. You have two minutes to edit this. You have two minutes to hand this over. 
here you go, you're done. Waiting for something to come in on a boat for 30 days and you're just like, oh, what if we do this? What if it doesn't look right? And I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, But at the moment I was like, it was a lot of stress. And that's, I think that's why the name long distance is long distance. You know, it's, it's longing for running again, running, longing for distance. It's how the magazine was created from LA to New York, to Australia, to Germany, everywhere, London, Germany, yeah. London. And it was, it was, yeah. Shipping the things across the world um, and trying to not like overdo it with like, you know, we had, we definitely had, like the environment in mind and like, oh, do we, should we use this kind of paper? It'd be way cooler, but then oh, we're already shipping it on a boat and all this stuff. So it was the name long distance for me. It has a lot yeah. of meaning. Yeah. You just hit on my next question. So you're talking to people who love fonts and things. So, but you just mentioned the paper. How did you guys choose the paper? Cause that's such an important thing. <laughs> Man, the paper I have, I've done like design stuff, but I've never designed like a book. We actually had to redesign like the whole magazine at one point because of the gutter. I didn't know what a gutter was. And so if if anyone's listening who doesn't know what it was, there's like a space in between, you know, the spine that it it might look great flat on paper, but if you put it you put a spine in and you're you're opening the book, you don't want you want the margins to be perfect. I don't know if that was a good explanation of that, but it was something that we one of the examples, new sample, we got to redesign the whole thing. Font's too big. We got to make it smaller, shift everything. Yeah, it was a lot. I'm used to designing like t-shirts and stuff. So, You know, what's cool is hearing you talk about the long distance aspect and also the slower process of it. also just the medium. I mean, you made an art book, which is what you made. But what is so cool is that I feel like it perfectly mirrors the circumstances of the time, not only in the subject matter, but the process, because everything slowed down. We had to slow down as people. Production slowed down. Shipping slowed down. Everything was kind of interrupted. And so it almost makes you appreciate things even more. And I love hearing you guys talk about the waiting and like making decisions based on like, well, how long do we have to wait? How much does it weigh? So I realized I didn't the- really answer your paper question. I was thinking about it. <laughs> oh, oh. It kind of goes <laughs> Thank back you to for this. going back to it. So I, I found out, you know, I bought a bunch of different magazines and uh, we asked for samples, but the samples would just take so long to come. And I found one, I asked for a reference from our manufacturer, like, hey, just send us some photos of other magazines you've made. And one of the ones they sent, I looked at it and I, I was like, I think, I think this is what we're going for. So I looked at like different stockists around the world that had it. And there were some like newsstands down in Long Beach that had it. And so I was like, Jason, let's wait on this decision. I'm driving down to Long Beach. I'm going to try to find this issue of this random magazine um, and touch the paper. So I did that. I went to like three different shops uh, down in Long Beach, OC, and I got a magazine. I was like, okay, if this is the same, that's the photo they sent me. It's this magazine, unless it was like a sample with different paper i feel like this is the paper we're going for so we told him hey you guys made this right let's use this paper we're like okay yeah (laughs) we got you so that was how we got the paper yeah that's cool did you don't have to answer like in detail but was it like the more expensive choice did you guys have expensive tastes (laughs) yes (laughs) you know we could uh we could have went on you know uploaded a pdf and just shipped bought a bunch but we definitely wanted to do it right and you know it's a magazine, so it should feel nice. Yeah, that's cool. Like I was gonna say, like even uh, like one of the decisions was uh, we didn't want to miss a boat, right? So because yeah. there was like not every day there was a boat that was coming to America, so like we were like, hey man, we need to come up with one decision quick. Uh, because if not, we're going to wait another two weeks for the next boat or like another <laughs> six days for the next boat to leave. So it's just like those things. I'm like, what are we doing right now? Looking back at it, I, it's hilarious now. But at the moment, you're just like, we're looking at like shipping schedules and all this other stuff. It's just like, it's so much. It's a lot. Yeah. Has it changed your appreciation of the medium? Definitely. 
for sure definitely. yeah yeah like i can like break down the costs of each like <laughs> like why this sells for this much uh, yeah definitely <laughs> definitely changes how we view it and it also just like teaches you just to like slow down i feel before it's like early 2020 2019 everything is just go 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 and like right now it's just like very like hey you know what if it, if it's delayed another two weeks yeah. who cares like what are we doing we all we're doing is just waiting and just hanging out inside so we were we were definitely thinking at one point we were having a conversation this is taking too long what happens if this if this loses its interest but we're still living during a pandemic, right? It's like nothing's getting better. Nothing's going to change, uh, at least here in the States. And that's why we were just like, Dewey, when we had that conversation, Dewey was just like, who cares if it's another three weeks or whatever, you know, nothing is changing. Nothing's getting better. No, we're not going back to our normal lifestyles. Who cares if it's another two, three weeks, you know, so. I love how you described how much the theme of long distance and is implicit in every single aspect of this project. So, well, and then sort of stepping back from it and then you got caught up in a global supply chain in a time of a pandemic and you're like, Oh, now, you know, these boats, like <laughs> I just, I once not a question, but again, an observation of like, yeah, you know, everything slowed down, you slowed down with it and you kind of, and you see that in the magazine globally, right? Like this for this global project. So that's kind of amazing to see. Um, and I can go on and on about like there are other stories. There's so much to talk about about the magazine. But I also want I'm very interested in your own personal journeys, your relationship with running and creativity, right? Those are two parts kind of Anne and I are both on the same page when it comes to that. So I'm very curious and whoever wants to take it first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I only really started running maybe about six years ago and now looking back i guess that's it seems like a long time for me but i know people have been running their whole life in school but i i started running because i went on the trip that jason mentioned earlier the haiti trip i went there for work um i was filming maybe like 15 runners run across the country so about 300 miles in seven days or so at the time i was working with my friend mike who i started uh who i now started a run club with but at the time we wanted to do something for the community, for the neighborhood that we lived in. And it was initially going to be a soccer club because I was, I was in soccer and playing soccer and football and everything. Um, but went on this trip, came back and said, Hey, we need to, we need to do a run club. I saw how it brought everyone together, what it could do for a community. And none of those runners knew each other. Right. It was like the real world. You know, they <laughs> showed up as strangers at the end. They love each other um, or hate each other, but mostly love each other. I said, we got to do a run club. Never ran more than a mile in my life. Uh, ran three miles for this first run club meeting. Didn't even know there are other run clubs that existed in the world. Started a run club, been running ever since. Met tons of great people. Jason through that. And I was saying I was working as a photographer and, and filmmaker. Um, so I would always just try to tie that side of my life to um, this new part of my life, running. Um, and with that would be you know designing whatever needs to be designed creating whatever we needed to create um which eventually led to long distance but yeah that's my running story yeah that's I, it's funny because i feel like mine is the complete opposite so i ran in high school and college running has been like a part of my life always towards the end of my running career i started hating it but i didn't want to leave running so I use photography as an excuse to still be around the sport, but not actually having to run. But then, you know, like I use, I think I use photography as a little bit of a, of a, a gateway to get out of like, I'm not going to call it a depression, but it was just an artistic way for me to like express myself. And as uh, the more and more that I was like doing sports photography, it, it kind of like fulfilled that part of my life where I wasn't running anymore because I would go to like U S championships or anything like that. And I was a sprinter in high school and college and seeing these athletes line up for the hundred meter start. I, you know, lining up in your blocks, doing like the kicks in the air and just like the slapping of your quads and your hamstrings that gave me chills. And that was enough for me to be like, 
cool. I, I know exactly what they're feeling right now. I remember it. That's the high that I need at the moment. And I'm, I'm good. And I will just photograph that. Then a little later in life, I noticed that I, that little high that I was having wasn't working anymore. And that's when I started running again. Start, I started running with these clubs, uh, this club in New York. And from there, that club, Black Roses, introduced me to this greater running community that I'm part of now. Um, but I think my running journey went from, yeah, like that very structured high school collegiate to what it is now of just like social running and the ability to like, I'm able to travel anywhere around the world because of running and hey, I need a place to crash for 24 hours before I head on my flight. And this community just opens you with uh, with like open doors. I think that's what keeps me around now. You know, it's not the marathons or anything like that, but it's just like the relationship and the friends that you're able to have now. Listening to both of your stories and it makes perfect sense how you two came together to create this magazine. Because, you know, there's kind of maybe outside the running community, there's this um, impression of running being a solo endeavor. But l you read through the magazine and you realize how much people globally rely on running as a team and a highly social activity and sport to bring them together, do something good, not just for themselves, but as a whole. So that's amazing and that your background is sort of converged into that as well, right? Even like you just started, Dewey, you started six years ago and Jason, you started a long time ago, but both of you kind of converged into that. Jason, I have a specific question for you. So I, I've been following you for a few years now on Instagram. Here, we're going to fanboy about Elliot Kipchoge for a second, right? I have seen you be on the track in Keptegat where people like Elliot, Jeffrey Kamoro, Abel Karui, these guys are doing their track sessions that is supposed to train them to break two hours in a marathon. Can you paint the picture of when you get there, the time you photograph them to the time you leave? Like, what is that energy like? And what is it being there? Yeah, I I remember saying to, like, the, the person who was shooting beside me, uh, we were in the back of the ATVs because obviously we can't keep up with them. Uh, but it just felt like you were in a Disney World kind of, like, atmosphere you're in this like forest in, in deep kenya with red roads because of just the mm -hmm. dirt but the clearest blue skies i've never seen the sun so big as it's setting you know so these other things that just like i remember from that trip of just like it looked like a scene from lion king you know how like in lion king the sun is so big and it's just so overpowering and you, i was able to see that in real life and especially it just being around like someone like like elliot and just like that whole training camp you know like one of the things that i walk away from those trips to like kenya or ethiopia is just like how we overcomplicate our lives here in the states mm -hmm. right these guys are having a loaf of bread, peanut butter, honey, and hey, I'm going to go rip 20 miles right now. The night before, uh, like for me, training for, like marathon training, like, got to do my overnight oats. I need to make cold, my cold <laughs> brew. I need my morning. I need, you know, and like these guys are just like, it, it's just a beautiful journey that the other cool thing about it is like there's no hierarchy in that, in those camps. Elliot is out there, has chores just like everybody else, right? And so I, I just think it's just like, it's a very simple lifestyle that they live. And even if you're the top guy in the world, when you're at that camp, if your chore is to wash everybody's shoe, that's what your chore is. And everybody is, is responsible of, of like doing that part of their chore. It takes everything that I've learned in high school and college and throws it out the window. And this is why they're so successful. And it, it, it's, and it's completely reverse of what we're, we're, what we're taught here. Thanks for explaining that. It's yeah. And, and your, your pictures capture their, their training, the moments there just absolutely beautifully. So it's, it's pretty awesome. Thanks for doing that work. Yeah. Did you get to hang out with them at all? Yeah, yeah. So we got to like hang out uh, like on our downtime, you know, for a couple of hours a day. We didn't want to like invade too much of their space. But yeah, like there's like, I don't know if you saw it, like there's a picture of him just like 
hanging out in a lawn chair, just listening to the radio. And it, we were just like, before that photo happened, we were all just dancing around or just like making them do group pictures. It, it was fun. It was fun. It's like, it's a side of him that you don't get to see. Uh, and it's a side of him that you, once he recognizes you, it's really, really fun just because it's like, this is like our, my Michael Jordan, our Michael Jordan and running, you know, like I also fanboy too. And the simple fact that he'll just like punch me in my arm and just like, how you doing? And he gives me a dead <laughs> arm for like a couple of seconds. I thought it's like, it's so, it's like, it's hilarious to me, you know? Uh, because when he talks or presents himself, he's not that kind of guy, very privileged, you know, to be in the, to have that opportunity. I have a question that someone only on the inside as you have been can verify. Um, the, I have such a crush on his friendship with Jeffrey Kamor. Are they as like lighthearted and silly as it comes across in the social media because they just seem so silly <laughs> being in these camps and being around these athletes we're they're not the last thing that they think about is social media you know what yeah. I mean <laughs> so like, you're just like capturing these real moments and they are just just like sipping on tea together you know training and doing this stuff so like yeah it's it's pretty realistic, you know? So I think it's That's great. They, yeah. They're capturing them just in their regular moments. I love, I love their friendship so much. <laughs> uh, one question that I have, can you tell us a little bit about Koreatown Run Club? Yeah. So maybe, I guess five years now, maybe five years ago, uh, my friend Mike and I, you know, wanted to do something for the community. Um, we live in Koreatown. And if you're familiar with the area, it's a lot of, you know, you say Koreatown, you think of, Korean barbecue, food, and like late night karaoke and drinking, right? And so we wanted to see, uh, we wanted to add like a different aspect to that, you know, waking up early, going for a run. Um, and we started five years ago with, with one three mile run on Saturday. We've grown to pre-pandemic five runs, training people for their first marathons, you know, sending people over to do, to run. <laughs> There's a lot of marathons actually, just... <laughs> Just having a making a community uh, and a space for new runners, but also you know maybe more more uh, experienced runners who want to just have some fun or like not be too you know I'll train on my own, but I also want to have some like fun recovery runs or something. So mm -hmm. um, and then using their knowledge to kind of help the new people out and just making a, a community a run community for for our neighborhood and our community. Um, and yeah, we've been doing that. Me and Michael, Mike Pack have been doing that for the past five years now. Do you guys have a home base or do you just kind of show up as is? Uh, yo, so most of the runs um, are in Koreatown. We have different spots that we meet up and try to showcase uh, different businesses there. So we'll, we'll switch mm -hmm. around. But um, we've really grown to um, pretty much all of LA. You know, our long runs, obviously, we do from, from anywhere um, within Los Angeles and people come come by from all over outside of Los Angeles to run too, and kind of just kind of join the community, join the family. And that's, that's really great. been a big part of KRC has been a big part of it's pretty much started everything with long distance, meeting people like Jason and a bunch of other relationships and, and work I've, I've done with. So I definitely owe a lot to, to running, but also to Koreatown. And Jason, which group in New York do you run with? So I am in transition to move uh to la oh. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i'll be uh, scouting right now <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, yeah i'm scouting no so i uh out in uh new york i uh run with uh brooklyn track club and now i'll, I'll be joining krc out here with, nice uh, well before you leave we um we have a group that we've started called the great hill track club so i please join for a run it's Tuesday and Thursday mornings and evenings in Central Park. We have uh, Wednesday morning in the Bronx and Tuesday and Thursday evenings in Prospect Park. So we'll send you the link to ju just show up. Yeah, and Astoria. Um, I have a follow-up on KRC real quick. I'm always interested in how running is seen and accepted in different cultures around the world. Some of the stories in the magazine talk about it. So do we, in the Korean culture, like how is running scene like in the broader culture like i'm from pakistan right so some people get it most of them don't they're like what are you doing why are you going out 
to run? Why would you go that far? What is your problem? Um, I'm I'm just wondering what is it like in in Korean culture? Um, as far as I can tell, so Mike, my partner, is is Korean. I'm Vietnamese. Um, but we run in Koreatown, and you know, a lot of people ask us, do we have to live in Koreatown? Do we have to be Korean? Um, and the answer is no. It's just you know, it could have just been Silver Lake Run Club or Santa Monica Run Club. It's just mm-hmm. where we lived. Um, but we do have a lot of friends over in Korea, and and we love the the guys uh Private Road Running Club. Um, they're awesome. And from what it seems like is, you know, running culture. Obviously, Japan, um, big marathon country. Um, I think it's 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 really big over there. Um, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah. Do you have any insight on that? For as far as I can tell, it's it's great. Um, or maybe I'll I'll switch the question to the then in Vietnamese culture, I guess, since you will have more insights on that. Yeah. I might even have less than that. Uh, <laughs> um, for me, you know, I was I was born in Vietnam and moved here when I was one. But yeah, I I, I feel like running out there. Yeah, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. If anything, the most interesting thing would be Haiti, because I would probably equate it to Haiti, and I've been there. You know. I used to go there two times a year almost. Um, and we, you know, the run across Haiti, how, where KRC was kind of founded on um, the ideas over there. When we started with that five years ago, you know, there were no runners out there. It was just us, right? And we were running um, and people would look at us and be like, why are they running? Who are they running from? Um, and it was, it was very confusing because it was never, it was never like a form of exercise. But the more we went, the more we would see other runners and they weren't with us, you know, they were just out running and they were running in sandals and like flip-flops. Um, but they were running, you know, they were out there for exercise to run. And we went back every year and, you know, we have the same route through Haiti um, from North to South. And so I think like every year, Oh yeah, there's this group of people like that fly in on, and they're in these trucks and they're just running, giving out water to everybody. I don't know what it is, but you know, they're running. So let's try it out. I don't know. But the culture, the running culture down there is is definitely is is early, but it, but it's it's growing for sure. And maybe it's similar to Vietnam. Hopefully, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks for that insight. That, yeah. That's cool. I'm always very interested in different places. Yeah. We usually end our podcasts by asking our guests to give a training slash life tip if they have to give one to people, and because you're two, you have to each pick one. Um, to our listeners, what would it be? Training slash life tip. Yeah. Oh, man. And or yeah. Or magazine production. Magazine production, man. <laughs> I can give you a couple. <laughs> One thing that really helped me was I really just printed out the mag. I printed out the magazine on a printer to scale. And if I had done that before I got the sample, I wouldn't have necessarily needed the sample as much. But I could have. T- I could have seen the font and I wouldn't have to have changed the font in the middle of, yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> in the, middle of the process. But uh, I have another tip. This might be a TMI tip, but uh, you know, we're in quarantine, you know, not seeing too many people. You can always just wear a dirty shirt again. You know, it's okay. <laughs> just wear the dirty just shirt wear, again. Forget laundry. And then come back and do the laundry. <laughs> yeah. So you don't have to waste another shirt. No one's going to, go around you smell you're not gonna be around anyway. so <laughs> save some extra time you gotta give him a serious one I, I am your best work comes out in uncomfortable scenarios when you put yourself up against a wall or you're in an uncomfortable scenario that's where you're gonna you're going to produce your best work because you have no other choice but to see it all the way through no, both of them. I can d- translate the printing one. You know, we talk about visualizing the end of your race all the time, right? Visualizing your outcome. You're like, no, actually print it out, you know, take a look at it before you actually send it out for final. Yeah, <laughs> I-, I love that. Well, thank you so much for jo- I can, I can, I have other questions and I can like keep you for another two hours. So I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, hopefully we'll at some point, once this blows over, we'll see each other in person, run in each other's clubs and somehow physically gel different parts of your you know like the magazine together or see pictures of that documentation of that it's just absolutely beautiful and i encourage as many listeners as for for them to get the magazine as possible and thank you thank you guys for giving us all this time one more question where in new york can 
well, where can our listeners in New York get a copy? Yeah, so right now you can, uh, in New York specifically, they're at Brooklyn Run Company. Brooklyn Run Company. And that yeah. I believe they have two stores in Brooklyn. Um, you can also cool. get it online at longdistance.world, anywhere, free shipping worldwide. Um, takes a bit to get to Australia. We're learning that out, but, <laughs> but yeah. Those and boats, man. Oh, yeah. yeah, tell me Those about boats. <laughs> and where can people find out more about both of you? Yeah, um, I'm around on Instagram at Dinale Official at Koreatown Run Club. Uh, me, uh, just not afraid to fail. Yeah, so with the number two, right? Yeah, exactly. Not afraid. Number two, fail. Good call. It's cool. <laughs> well, thank you so much, guys. This was really excellent, um, and definitely, as Ali said, let's keep in touch. And uh, Jason, have a safe trip back to the frigid East Coast. <laughs> I mean, I, I was planning to go down to the Define New York uh, uh, run clubs run uh, arranged by coffee uh, in a couple of weeks. So I don't know if you maybe you're down there. Yeah, That's sure. a great movement. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. Perfect. Cool. cool. All right. Thank you guys. Th- thanks, guys. Thanks so much. And we'll see everyone next time. <laughs>